Hey, buddy, what you doing? Is it Christmas yet? No, sorry, not yet. I can't wait for Christmas. Yeah, I can't wait for Christmas either. In fact, let's celebrate now. <laughs> Welcome to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. <laughs> it's January 25th, 2017, and that means there's a whole 11 months until Christmas. Today on the show, we'll be looking at the origins of the poem A Visit from St. Nicholas. We'll mine the internet for alternative sources of Christmas music. You'll decide who sang Let It Snow Best. I'll count down my favorite Christmas songs that should still be playing on the radio right now. And I'm going to enlist your help to settle a debate that's been raging for almost 30 years. Hop on board the sleigh. Let's start the show. It's a new year, but same holiday cheer. Hope you guys had a great Christmas filled with family, friends, food, and fa-la-la-la-las. I know I did. I actually broke the tradition this year, though. Uh, Last two years, I left my Christmas lights up and on until Valentine's Day. But this year, I took them down on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Well, I took most of them down. See, I always want to be the last person on the block to take down my lights, but there are two houses on the street that are still lighting little tiny strands of lights every night. So I left one strand of solar-powered lights up in my yard, and they'll stay there, turning on every night, until they are the only lights. There can be only one! Yes, I have weird goals. But you know what? Even though Christmas was just a month ago, I can't wait another 12 months. I need a little Christmas. Now! We need a... Christmas time, I pretty much keep my TV on the Music Choice Sounds of the Season channel. If you're unfamiliar with Music Choice, they're a group of channels uh, that play different kinds of music, like they have rock and pop and then the 80s and 90s and all sorts of stuff. They have a different channel for pretty much every type of music. And for the most of the year, they have a Sounds of the Season channel that plays what they call The Pulse, which is electronic ambient music. But for a lot of holidays, they switch the station to play that type of music. So very soon, they'll be playing love songs for Valentine's Day. In October, they'll play scary music and horror movie themes for Halloween. Halloween, and of course, in November and December, Christmas music, baby! It usually lasts until January 6th and then goes back to the pulse. This year, I was actually surprised. They actually kept the music going until the 13th, so we had a little bonus Christmas. But, like every year, the Sounds of the Season channel has turned back to the pulse. But, I found out that Music Choice has both an app and a website that has a channel that's all Christmas, 24-7, 365. So, if you want some Christmas music, you can always go to the Music Choice app or the Music Choice website and go to the All Christmas channel and get your Christmas fix any day of the year. Side note, I almost always tweet at the Music Choice people about their Christmas music. This year I did it from the official podcast Twitter account, at ChristmasPod, and Crystal noticed that I tweeted them and suggested I I try Spotify once the channel stopped. But then Music Choice replied with, Our 24-7-365 All Christmas channel is on our app. So, while I appreciate the year-round Christmas music, I'm not a fan of you spoiling my bits for Crystal before she can hear them on the show. You're on notice, Music Choice! You're on notice. But speaking of music, that brings us to our countdown segment, Five Golden Things. It's January, so unless you find an all-Christmas radio station, like Music Choice, you're not going to hear much Christmas music for a while. 
But I say there are some songs that stations stop playing too soon. There are a bunch of songs that play at Christmas time that aren't technically about Christmas. So I say we should still be playing them for a few more months at least. Here are my top five. Number five. Jingle Bells. Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells, Jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. As we mentioned on our second episode, Jingle Bells was really written as a Thanksgiving song. But you wouldn't know it. Since it makes no mention of any holiday, it's just snow, sleighs, bells, and Miss Fanny Bright. And except for Fanny, all of those things are still around right now, so I say Jingle Bell should stay on the radio until winter is over. Number four, Marshmallow World. It's a marshmallow world in the winter when the snow comes to cover the ground. I have to admit, I didn't used to like this song. The only version I'd ever heard was Dean Martin's version, and he just sounds so drunk. Listen to him sing the words, favorite girl. Take a walk with your favorite girl. You get the feeling they had to edit out the drunk cartoon hiccup right after that verse. Favorite girl. Oh, excuse me. But you gotta admit, there's no actual Christmas in this song. It's just a drunk dude encouraging us to snuggle up with a loved one in the snow. And the more I've listened to this song, the more I actually like it. I think the fact that he's clearly drunk somewhat adds to the charm for me now. Number three, Sleigh Ride. Just hear those sleigh bells jingling, ring, ding, dingling too. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. No Christmas in this song either, just a song about a bunch of cold fools mucking about in a sleigh. Last I checked, most of the country is still covered in snow. In fact, even in California we're getting snow, in the middle of a drought. So it seems to me like we should be able to keep singing this song at least until the snow thaws. Speaking of snow, number two, let it snow. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. Since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Yep, listen to that whole song if you like. You won't find one mention of Christmas. Just a guy who's using the snowstorm as an excuse to put the moves on his lady. But in a much less creepy way than Baby It's Cold Outside. Honorable mentions. Frosty the Snowman. Frosty the Snowman was a jolly happy soap. With a corncup pipe and a button nose and two eyes made out of coal. My wife actually came up with this one. I had to really think about it. I mean, the character of Frosty has become so attached to Christmas, he probably makes it into a few ill-informed nativity scenes. But if you really listen to the song, it's about a snowman who comes to life, plays with some kids, and then runs away. I mean, there's no context in the song. He could have come to life on Valentine's Day. He could have come to life on a random Friday in January. The song doesn't specify. So I say, way to go, wife of mine. You have picked a winner. Number one. Winter Wonderland. Sleigh bells ring. Are you listening? In the lane, snow is glistening. A beautiful sight, we're happy tonight. Walking in a winter wonderland. Now, maybe it's just because I've lived my whole life in California, but I always associated snowy winters with Christmas. But the truth is, after Christmas is gone, we still have almost three months of winter left to go. So why not grab that special someone, go for a nice walk in the snow, and watch children knock down the snowman you just made? Wait, what? Well, anyway, really most of these songs are really cold weather carols more than Christmas carols, so I say, as long as the weather is still cold, we should get to play these songs as long as we want. Who's with me? Say it loud! I'm merry and I'm proud! N- none of you said it, did you? I'm ridiculous, aren't I? 
All right. Well, what are some other Christmas songs that deserve a longer playtime window than just December? Let me know in the comments at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com, or you could send us an email at christmas at tancast.com. Speaking of your feedback, it's time for Santa Bab's Mailbag. Santa Bab, he is gonna read some emails from you, or tweets, or Facebook messages to Santa Bab, he is opening mailbag tonight. This is a follow-up to a Santa Babs mailbag from our Christmas Eve Eve bonus episode. You may recall that Lauren wrote in and mentioned that he and his wife play Santa and Mrs. Claus at the Southern California Renaissance Pleasure Fair in Irwindale. And I wondered if they did it all year round. Well, Lauren left us a comment on Facebook that says, Thanks for the shout-out, Tim. Sorry to say the Renaissance Fair doesn't have a Christmas section all year round. We do Santa and Mrs. Claus in November and December and manage a children's toy booth at the fair. But if you're looking for a Christmas-based festival, check out the Great Dickens Christmas Fair. And he provided a link, which I'll put in the show notes, which is dickensfair.com. It's in San Francisco, and it runs from the weekend after Thanksgiving to the weekend before Christmas. Happy New Year, and can't wait for Christmas. Well, thank you for the follow-up, Lauren. I think I heard about the Dickens Fair, but I never went. Maybe I'll try and make it a point of going this Christmas. And if I find myself in Irwindale in November or December, I'll definitely stop by the Southern California Renaissance Pleasure Fair. This next comment also comes from our Facebook page. It's from Charlene Brown, who says, Best Christmas podcast ever! I'm a realtor, and I have to spend a lot of time in my car. I just love this. Puts me in the Christmas mood every day. Thank you for all your Christmas spirit. Well, all that I can say to thank you for your kind words is... Merry Christmas, Charlene Brown! Uh, Yeah, I'm sure she's never heard that joke before. You know, imaginary listener who sounds like Kermit the Frog, you can be a real killjoy sometimes. You're welcome. Well, anyway, thank you for listening, Charlene. It's best we move along to our feature as we talk about a classic Christmas poem, A Visit from St. Nicholas, better known as The Night Before Christmas. This work is significant not only because it is Clement Clark Moore's charming Christmas story that has stood the test of time since it was first published on December 23, 1823, but it's also one of the off-ramps in the long road to the modern image of Santa Claus. Most people think of those Coca-Cola ads from 1931 as how we got the modern Santa, but the illustrator, Haydon Sundblom, used a visit from St. Nicholas as his inspiration for those Coca-Cola ads. But before that, Santa's image was made popular by Thomas Nast's illustration from Harper's Weekly, and Nast took his inspiration from, you guessed it, a visit from St. Nicholas. But to trace Santa's origins, you have to go back even further than this poem. Moore took some elements from his friend Washington Irving's 1809 book, A History of New York. So aside from the look of Santa, other Santa lore comes from this poem as well. This poem established that St. Nick had eight reindeer to pull his sleigh. This is also the first time the reindeer were named. And, as written in the original poem, their names were Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Dunder, and Blixem. That's right, not Donner and Blitzen, Dunder and Blixem. Remember that if you're playing the board game Cranium. I forgot that that's what they were originally named, and I lost our team the fast track. Do you know how embarrassing it is to be the guy who does a year-round Christmas podcast and then miss a Christmas trivia question? It's super embarrassing! Also, this poem established how Santa gets into our houses, through the chimney. I guess Clement Clark Moore didn't conceive of people who lived in a house or apartment with no chimney. And now those parents have to explain to their kids how Santa's going to get in their house. Thanks a lot, Moore. You couldn't say Santa teleported in via some Christmas magic or something? Well, actually, that's not fair. Moore had no real intention of influencing Santa lore. He never even intended to publish this poem. It was only intended as a gift for his kids. Then Harriet Butler, a friend of his, grabbed a copy of it and published it. But let's back up a second. The poem was a gift to his kids. 
Why don't I have a relationship with my kids where I can write a poem and they would consider it as good as a present? Gather around, boys. I've got a Christmas poem for your present this year. <clears throat> there was an old man in the Arctic who drank so much milk Dad, that he... I'm going to stop you right there. What? Don't you want to hear the rest of the poem? Your poems just get me in trouble when I repeat them. Fair enough. Ah, that explains it. Anyway, the legend goes that Moore wrote the poem in his head on a sleigh ride from his house to the market and back on Christmas Eve in 1822. You see, last-minute Christmas shopping was a thing even 200 years ago. Now, through the magic of Christmas, we actually have a highly inaccurate recording of what that faithful trip sounded like. Well, that's some turkey, Mr. Moore. Well, Mrs. Moore said she was worried about running out of food for our guests. No way you'll run out of food with that gigantic thing, unless I eat it all first. <laughs> oh, okay, Patrick. Back home, please. You got it, Mr. Moore. On Dasher, on Dancer. hey -ya! What am I going to do about this story for the kids? Why did I put off writing it until the night before Christmas? I'm not going to have any time when I get home. Hey, look at that guy in his house. He's already reading his nightcap. He's got the right idea. Just go to sleep early. His kids are probably already dreaming of Christmas. Oh, look, the street vendors are still out. Sugar plums, get your sugar plums here. Sugar plums, get your sugar plums here. Oh, this trip takes forever. I wish this sleigh could just fly over these rooftops. That way we wouldn't have to trudge through all this new fallen snow. Not that Patrick isn't doing his best. So lively and quick. Hello, Claremont. Hey, there's Piet, our handyman. We're getting close to home now. But what is Piet doing outside in the cold? I mean, I guess his big bushy white beard and big round warm belly keep him warm. <laughs> when he laughs, it shakes like a bowl full of jelly. <laughs> ah, through the magic of time cuts, I see that we're almost home. Here we are, Mr. Moore, and here's your turkey for the missus. Thank you, Patrick. My best to the kids. I hope they all get a visit from St. Nicholas this year. What did you say? My best to the kids? No, no, the other thing. A visit from St. Nicholas? Patrick, you're a genius! So, uh, I'll just take the turkey in, I guess? Okay, I played a little fast and loose with the details there, but supposedly Moore did write the poem in his head on that journey. Of course, there is another school of thought on this, and that is that none of what I just said happened at all. See, as I mentioned earlier, the poem was first published in 1823 in the Troy Sentinel in Troy, New York, but it was published anonymously. It wasn't until 13 years later that Clement Clark Moore took credit for it. And that's all well and good, except the family of Henry Livingston Jr. claims he wrote it. What's more, they claim Livingston was reciting it over 10 years before it was published. But this kind of claim is hard to prove. I mean, I guess the family didn't hear that Moore had taken credit for it until 20 years after the fact. By that point, Henry Livingston Jr. had been dead for 29 years. Then the family waited another 47 years to go public with their claim that Livingston was the true author. Since then, scholars have gone to great lengths to attempt to determine who the true author was. There was even a mock trial held in Troy. On December 18, 2013, they actually got a retired New York Supreme Court judge to hear arguments from lawyers representing both sides. I believe we have some more slightly inaccurate audio of those proceedings. Excellent. Now, Your Honor, I may not be a big city lawyer, but I do know a little something about Christmas. And people who take credit for others' work must assuredly get coal in their stocking. 
Objection, Your Honor. My client has not been established as on the naughty list. And the naughty list is not even referenced in this poem. Sustained? My sincerest apologies, Your Honor. Let us just stick to the facts at hand. Mr. Livingston is of Dutch descent. Mr. Moore, however, is of English descent. So I do find it particularly odd that among the names of the reindeer in the first published version of the poem were Donder and Blixem, the Dutch words for thunder and lightning. Your Honor, my client has a long history of celebrating Christmas in the Dutch way, and he has a close personal friendship with Washington Irving, whose influence is clearly present in this poem. Well then, Your Honor, why did Mr. Moore change Blixem's name to Blitzen when he published the story as his own in 1844? Seems odd that he would change the name so that it was thunder and nonsense. But while you're pondering that, Your Honor, I'd like to enter into evidence this analysis of both authors' work performed by a professor from Vassar. He found that both structurally and content-wise, a visit from St. Nicholas is different from anything else Moore has ever written. But the anapestic scheme used in this poem seems to match up with some of Livingston's work perfectly. Your Honor, this analysis does not even take into account some of the anapestic work that Mr. Moore has done, such as the pig and the rooster. Do you have anything more concrete, Counselor? Well, four of Livingston's children recall hearing him tell this story as early as 1807. In fact, they even found a dated, handwritten copy of the poem. Well, why didn't you say so? Let the court examine it and we can settle this once and for all. Well, unfortunately, uh, the copy burned up in a house fire. Uh, sure it did. Sir, I don't think I care for your tone. Well, I really don't care if you care for my tone. I've never been so insulted in all my life. I do declare that I should... That's it. I've had enough of this. This trial is over. This court renders no verdict. And may God have mercy on your souls. We are adjourned. Again, that's fast and loose with the details, but that's really how it ended. No verdict. The next year, they had another trial, and the Livingston side won. So, December 23rd has been proclaimed Henry Livingston Day in Troy. So, he wins? But pretty much every book in the library still credits the poem to Clement Clark Moore. So, he wins? Really, we're never going to really know who wrote it, but there's no denying that it is a Christmas classic that has had a huge impact on how we celebrate Christmas. "'Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled, all snug in their beds, while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mama in her kerchief, and I in my cap, had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutter, and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave a luster of midday to the objects below. When what to my wondering eyes should appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. With a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles his coursers they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donder and Blixem, to the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, now dash away, dash away, dash away all! 
as dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky, so up to the housetop the coursers they flew, with a sleigh full of toys and St. Nicholas too. And then in a twinkling I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As I drew in my head and was turning around, down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes how they twinkled, his dimples how merry, his cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and a beard on his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of his pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him, in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk. And laying a finger aside of his nose and giving a nod up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sled, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew, like the down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim ere they drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night. I still say I wrote it. <laughs> and now it's time to bring back a feature we haven't done in over a year. There are lots of Christmas songs that play every year, but over the years, the same song is recorded by many different artists. I like to pit two artists against each other and have you vote on who sang it best. In the past, I've only allowed voting on the who sang it best in the time frame between when the show is released and the next show. But I'm hearing that you may not be listening to this episode right when it comes out. So I've gone back and reopened the polls on all the previous Who Sang It Best matchups. So if you didn't get a chance to vote, you can go back and vote. If you did get a chance to vote, you can still vote again. And the poll for this matchup will remain open indefinitely as well. I'm still going to announce a winner for this matchup on next month's show. But now, if you missed your chance, you still have a chance to make your voice heard. And if any of the results flip from the announced winners, I'll announce them on a future episode. But... On to today's matchup. For this one, we went back to number two on today's Five Golden Things Countdown. It's the song we should totally still be listening to right now, Let It Snow. Here it is, sung by the one and only Dean Martin. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. And in this corner, it's being performed by Vaughn Moore. And the fire is slowly dying. And my dear, we're still goodbye. But as long as you love me so, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. But the question I put to you is, who sang it best? Go ahead and vote at Can't Wait for Christmas Pod. You can vote once a day, every day, until, well, until the sun collapses in on itself, really. But if you want to be counted in the tally for the winner announcement in our February episode, make sure you vote before February 20th at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. Before we go, 
we're going to launch another year-long audience participation feature. We spent all of 2016 doing the Jingle Brawl, where we had you vote on the best version of Jingle Bells. After 12 months and nearly 100 versions of the song, you crowned Bing Crosby and the Andrews Sisters as the winners. This year, we've got something slightly different in store. We're going to solve a debate that has been raging since 1988. Together, we're going to answer the question... Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? It's Christmas Eve in L.A. California. Is Daddy coming home soon? Well, we'll see what Santa and Mommy can do, okay? A New York cop, John McLean, has come to see his wife. Instead, he's going to have to save her. He's an easy guy to like. Come out to the coast. We'll get together. Have a few laughs. And a hard man to kill. Bruce Willis. Die Hard. Got invited to the Christmas party by mistake. Who knew? This Bruce Willis movie about a New York cop fighting terrorists on Christmas Eve in Los Angeles is considered by some to be the best Christmas movie, but some say it's not a Christmas movie at all. But we're going to decide this once and for all. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? This time you're not just going to vote. I want you to write in and tell me why you think Die Hard is or isn't a Christmas movie. I'll read the best emails every month leading to our final vote in November. So email us at christmas at tancast.com and tell us why Die Hard is or isn't a Christmas movie. And that's going to do it. Put a bow on us, we are done. But don't you cry, we'll be back again someday. Specifically, that day is February 25th. And I'll start reading your letters for why you think Die Hard is or isn't a Christmas movie, so don't miss that. And don't forget to vote in our Who Sang It Best contest at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. And especially, don't forget, keep laughing all the way. And that was Christmas 1983. Actually, Dad, it's 2017. Oh. Thank you for listening to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to us on iTunes, or we're available on Stitcher and Google Play as well. If you'd like to leave a comment on this or any episode, go to our official website at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. While you're there, you'll find a link to our official Zazzle store, where you can grab customizable t-shirts, ornaments, bumper stickers, and all sorts of other Christmas merchandise all year long. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash can't wait for Christmas pod. Or on Twitter, we are at Christmas pod. Or you could always send us an email directly at Christmas at Tancast.com. The Can't Wait for Christmas podcast is part of the Tancast Podcast Network. We wish you a Merry Christmas was performed by the United States Marine Corps Band. And this amazing version of Jingle Bells on the Accordion was performed by the wonderful and talented Kristen Nowicki. All other music and sounds used in this episode are the properties of their individual copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. Okay, boys, did I forget anything? God bless us, everyone. (laughs) So if you want some Christmas music any time of the year, you can always go to the Music Choice app on the Music... So if you want some Christmas music any day of the year, you can always go to the Music Choice app or on the Music Choice website and get all the Christmas channel... Oh, boy. That sentence is a train wreck. Uh, should I put all the verbs and nouns in here? Nah, just put every other word in there and you can figure it out later when you read it.
So if you want some Christmas music any day of the year, you can always go to the Music Choice app or the Music Choice website and pick up their all-music channel and get your Christmas fix any day. Oh, that's why I didn't say any day of the year at the beginning of that sentence. Ah! Merry Christmas, Charlene Brown! Merry Christmas, Charlene Brown! Merry Christmas, Charlene Brown! Merry Christmas, Charlene Brown! Illustrator Hayden Sunblum. Oh, Hayden Sunblum? Sunblum. Sunblum? Sunblum. There'd be two O's, it was Bloom. I'm going to Sunblum. Ooh, I got a Sunblum. Ooh, I need some salve. <clears throat> but illustrator Hayden Sunblum. <laughs> I can't do it. Do you know how embarrassing it is to be the guy who does a year round Christmas podcast and then miss a Christmas? Do you know how embarrassing it is to be the guy who does a year-round Christmas podcast who then misses a Christmas trivia? Ha ha ha! Do you know how embarrassing it is that I can't finish this sentence? It's embarrassing. I wrote it. Sound very gavel-like. No, that definitely doesn't sound it. Okay, I just broke my pencil sharpener. <laughs> Don't use a pencil sharpener as a gavel. Lesson for today. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutter, and threw up the sash. You threw up the sash? Blah! Sash!